Well, I did a stupid and recorded a whole hour of content that sounded perfect. And by the time I put it together, I realized that the little light was on on my keyboard saying that my mic was off. Oh, I am just not having luck with this stupid podcast, at least for the last couple of days. So let's just do it again. Let's just do it from scratch. Now that I have a general idea of what I want to talk about, maybe I can trim it down to like 45 minutes instead of an hour. So this is going to be a, another metal discussion. And at first I started talking about Immortal, the band, and how much I love them. But as I was talking about them, I found that I kept going on about the genres of black metal, and I just got real giddy and excited. And so I actually stopped that recording before recording the hour of black metal discussion and decided, you know, I'm just going to just do a black metal discussion video because Immortal I can talk about some other time. So that's what I'm going to do for this one. It's just another metal discussion about the genre of black metal. One of my favorites. It always kind of switches off between death metal and, and uh, black metal. So it's uh, it just depends on the time of the day, the mood I'm in, and what I'm doing. So I'm going to be talking about that. But first, I want to discuss some near future projects that I am working on. I should be recording a episode tomorrow with Jack about the 10 year anniversary of the Avengers coming out. So we'll have a little discussion about that and what that movie did and how it made us feel back then, how the development of the characters has changed, stuff like that. Another super nerd dive into a super nerd universe. And then the other one, oh, this one has taken me so long to try and do is the discussion of my delve into alt-right ideology and the journey, really, of how I got there and how I got out. And this was in response to the horrific terrorist attack that happened in Buffalo, New York, because I feel that more people who are, who have been affected by that kind of thinking as that terrorist was, should be, should be coming out and just talking about it. There should be a dialogue. So that's, I've been trying to make an episode about that. And I've recorded whew, three or four hours of content that I just didn't like. I even published an episode and deleted it because I just, didn't like where it was. So that might be a multi-episode type thing. I'm not sure where to go with that one yet, but so that's kind of what's in the wheel works here. But today we're talking about a subgenre of metal that is very underground. Underground and yet at the same time genius. Black metal. To those of you who are unaware, is a subgenre of metal that is characterized by the following a simple musical structure it's not flashy unless 
certain bands evolve to have a flash and to have a kind of more technical component to their music. It is also exemplified by a distinct visual style, not only with album covers, but with the members of the bands themselves taking on stage names, putting on face paint, and going out on stage wearing nails, armor, breathing fire, doing all that crazy stuff. Think kind of like Kiss, but not as, um, well, Kiss is lame, first off. Black metal's the same idea, but just a little bit more gnarly. And lastly, characterized by extreme, extreme things, such as extreme lyrical content. Sometimes black metal goes a little too far. We got Nazi black metal, depressive suicidal black metal, and the fact that church burnings and murders have happened and suicides with, um, with, within the genre itself. So the culture is very extreme. And on top of that, there is a, it kind of just distance, distances itself from, from the other genres. No one really, either you love black metal or you don't. It's one of those types of things. So those extreme things just go hand in hand with it. Now, I will start this off and try to remember what I was recording. The first recording I did of this, and let's see, how did I, how did I start this off? Well, let's go with the history. So black metal was pretty much started in the late 80s. And at that point in time, the band's like Mayhem, probably the earliest one, definitely Bathory, Venom too, to an extent, sort of straight away from the getting more and more popular death metal and thrash metal of that time period and wanted to do something a little bit different. So they did what I can only describe as a sort of musical revolution, even though the revolution will not be televised, except when churches are burning down. They did a musical revolution of sorts and decided to simplify it, make it sound haunting, make it sound harsh. So from the late 80s to early 90s, bands would start to surface. Burzum, Darthrow, Mayhem, um, I think Carpathian Forest, Immortal was one of them, Satyricon. These are all based mostly in or around the Nordic countries. There was nothing like this here until the mid-2000s when I think American atmospheric black metal kind of Sort of taking the stage away more from the Norwegian bands. But uh, so that's where it started, and those bands were a part of it. And they, yeah, that, they basically did what they set out to do, was to make a statement from all these other more polished bands. Thrash metal at that time was doing some 
technical stuff on their guitars, just really hard to play riffs. The drums are getting more technical. They, I think, I think, and I could be wrong, that is the same time period that you got like progressive metal where you would get jazz drummers and just put it, put, just throw in all these weird time signatures into the guitar riffs, into the, the drum sections. Like, so <laughs> black metal, instead of going more technical, went less technical. They took a step back but they did it with a flair of their own that actually gave them a huge foothold. And it would evolve into its own genre of metal that has its own subgenres now. So black metal is, there's a lot going on there. You can't just say, oh, this is black metal because there's just so much going on within the genre itself. So I'm going to go through some of the subgenres and I know there's really niche subgenres that I'm missing, but I just this is this is the overview. This is black metal in a nutshell, everybody. It's not my doctoral thesis. So you got the the, the clear and obvious one. Uh satanic imagery. These are bands like Gorgoroth, Satanic Warmaster, Dimu Borgir. Um, Mayhem. They used the, they kind of, in a way, did what Slayer did, and they decided to use, like, the satanic imagery in a different way and to use it as shock value. Now, some of these bands would eventually take that a little too far and take it a little too seriously and burn down some churches. But that is a distinct subgenre of black metal. And even bands that don't really necessarily have that kind of lyrical content, their logos might have like an upside down cross or some kind of pentagram or something in there. Um, kind of just permeates throughout all of them, but not to a, super high extent the next would be the nerdy viking slash dungeons and dragons slash norse mythology type black metal bands where because they they started off in, in scandinavia and they were obsessed with history and they were complete and total nerds they sing about stuff like that like vikings uh, wizards, dragons, warriors and stuff, kind of the nerdy stuff. That kind of bleeds into the kind of folklore type black metal that you, that I think is more, I like it better than most of the other subgenres of black metal. I just, I like the, the kind of nature worship thing because I am somewhat of an environmentalist myself. And that bleeds into the atmospheric element of black metal. And that has, while there is an overarching atmosphere to black metal as a whole, when you make it kind of the gist of your version of it, it has two different flavors. One of them is the American flavor that I mentioned a not even that long ago. Um, bands like Wolves in the Throne Room, 
deaf heaven to some extent. And uh, what's a what's another good example? Because Zashther is depressive, suicidal black metal. Well, atmospheric stuff. It basically transports you to a mystical realm. The sounds are eerie yet comforting and kind of homey feeling in a weird way, even though they're using minor chords and minor scales, with the exception of Sunbather by Deaf Heaven. Then there's the depressive suicidal black metal. So that are that's like Zashther silencer um bands like that where it's the same thing but the atmosphere is just bleak just actually depressing you listen to these bands and somehow and it's actually impressive if you think about it like they are able to evoke this this feeling of just bleakness and dread and hopelessness and they do it with very very good precision and it's very slow but it's like a slow burn things like that um the next would be the the unfortunate ones the the nazi black metal there are some artists that make nazi black metal and I'm not going to give them the airtime or mention their names, but just to kind of mention that they exist. And while they might enjoy the shock value of their content, they also legitimately believe in what they are making music about. So there's that. Uh, what else is there? There's a uh, different versions of black metal bands kind of evolving and turning into something else. So you have bands like Demu Borgir, which started off as what I would consider a traditional run-of-the-mill black metal band with the very simple guitar work, the very simple drum work, the very harsh vocals. Really, the there's no need for like a bass guitar so just very very simple and they would evolve into using an orchestra an opera singer having a technical drummer that does more than just blast beats sometimes they evolve into other genres dark throne had a weird punk phase a thrash metal phase and then so they experimented around you have bands like immortal my favorite band where they, they kind of just took black metal, turned up the knob on the quality just a little bit. It still sounds pretty rough, but they made it sound deeper and like heavier. Made it a little bit more technical, but really like the, uh, the fundamentals are still there. It just, it just really hits. It's like a, like a train. Immortal is great, but, um, yeah, so that, those are like the genres and some examples of how some of these bands can evolve. Uh, yeah, so I think I was talking about history. Um, you know, let me pause this and kind of get my bearings because I will just sit here in the silence and then you guys will have to listen to me breathing. 
as I try to think about where to go from here. So give me a second. There's also going to be an ad. So sorry. But, you know, I made almost $10 on this thing right now, which doesn't pay the bills, but it's pretty sweet. So hold on a second. So I'm actually going to start rolling back into the history because I tracked my thought process back, started this off with it, and then kind of ended with the explanation of the genres without really going in depth to the history. I'm also going to tie this into the extreme nature of black metal and why I believe it kind of has a, not as much as of a following as subgenres of metal, like thrash metal or death metal. So the extreme nature of black metal actually comes from its history. And there were church burnings in Norway in the early 90s. And it stemmed from a belief from some of these bands that basically Christianity had come and replaced their culture, which did happen. Uh, The Viking, Scandinavians, the people of that time went out and tried to colonize other areas and then the reverse pretty much happened. They, uh, they got colonized themselves. And these bands took that historical fact and turned it into this personal vendetta. And so they believed not only in some of the lyrical content of their music, but also in taking further action. So there were a lot of church burnings. I want to say at least 14. Let me double check. Let's see here. Um, let's see here. On Well, according to... Oh, wow. So there's a lot of attempted burnings and... Okay, so a lot more than 14. Just in 1992, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight churches burned, one attempted. In 93, one burned. 94, two, three, four burned. And then one, two, three, four, five, six, eight attempted. And then finally in 1995, four burned and two attempted to burn. So a lot more than 14. So there was band members or followers of these bands that went out and actually committed arson or tried to commit arson. On top of that, there were some murders. The most famous one of them all being the murder of Euronymous by Varg Vikernes. He apparently had an altercation with Euronymous and ended up killing him. Euronymous was the guitarist of a band called Mayhem. Varg, he was the only member of Burzum. He did everything solo, which is impressive considering if you listen to Burzum, it it does sound like a band, but it's him the whole time. And there was also, I believe... Somebody was murdered for being gay by either one of 
the members of a band or someone close to them. And there was a suicide of Mayhem Singer Dead. That was his stage name, Dead. And he uh, apparently had some mental health issues and took his own life. So the whole genre from its from its beginning was just cursed with <laughs> murder, suicide, and arson. And basically that kind of extreme stuff ended up being part of the music. It's part of the culture of it. Not so much anymore with how much it's evolved. And certain bands would try to distance themselves from that from, from that part of it, notably Immortal. In an interview with, I forget, I forget their names, but it was on the documentary Until the Light Takes Us. They were asking them about the church burnings because they were they were one of the bands back then, but they said they never took part. And uh, it's one of those memeable moments of their then singer. And it's either Abath, Abath, Abat, whatever his name is. And I'm like, well, we didn't want to go to jail. And he looks at the camera and then just kind of laughs. Actually, not that that's a... Uh, I think an interview, not what, not in, in until the light takes us. I forget, but um, yeah. So it does have an extreme, very extreme side to it, and not much people know about the genre. Though it it comes to looking at historically the music that was being blamed in the time for causing Columbine or causing kids to just become violent. And every single time it was rap or death metal and rap, like, yeah, there, some of the artists back then were actually committing crime and, and killing people and dealing drugs and stuff, but death metal, it never did. It never did anything so extreme corpse grinder of cannibal corpse if you look at an interview of that guy, he's like the most chill man ever. He's a guy that you would invite over to a Saturday morning barbecue and just hang out with. He's a chill guy. Chuck Schuldiner of death. Again, a member of a very extreme form of music, death metal, yet being this laid back, honestly, just a hippie. I don't like uh, how people think that I'm hurting kittens, man. So that's why I go out on stage with a kitten shirt on. The guy went out on stage with a shirt that had kittens on it and played a death metal show. They never did any of that. But black metal is the exception besides rap. They actually went out there and did some very extreme things. And it's, you know, thank goodness nothing escalated from there. In fact, now the genre is, I would say, pretty docile. I haven't really had my finger on the pulse of that specific genre in a while, so I really don't know what's going on. The latest album I listened to was Northern Chaos Gods by Immortal, and they released that two years ago. So that's as current as I am. 
but there's there's a very extreme side to this subgenre, and I think it kind of turns people away from it because they don't want to be associated with it. And you know, I understand that. That's a very legitimate reason to not listen to music because it's like, oh well, you mean those guys that burn down churches and kill people? No, I'm not going to listen to their music. Fair enough. Fair enough. So next, we're going to talk about the the visuals. The visuals of black metal, probably one of the staples of black metal is the amount of time, dedication, and effort that they put in to the visual. So this is actually a two-parter. There's the visuals of the albums and the visuals of the band itself when they play live. So I'm going to start with the live performances. Black metal artists 99% of the time they go out there with corpse paint on like I mentioned earlier think about kiss it's black and white except it's meant to look scary kind of what someone would wear to like a Halloween party trying to be scary not trying to dress up and look like a I don't know like a clown or something uh it's meant to be extreme and sometimes there's like fake blood splattered on the face or on the hands. Typically there is black leather pieces of pieces of armor that are worn on top of this. So you end up looking kind of like a, like a zombie warrior or something like a ghoul that was raised from the dead. And you have like this, this armor that has nails or studs. Sometimes there's there's weapons too. There's and not like guns, but like swords or maces with nails. It's pretty crazy stuff like that. And every every band member just goes out decked out. It becomes like a, it becomes a performance when they play live. It becomes a performance. There's also the music, so it's like they're going out there to put on a show. So there's showmanship to it for sure for the for the visuals. Um, sometimes stage props can take a very elaborate path. A good example of this would be Gorgoroth. Gorgoroth sometimes puts on a very extreme visually show where there is, and I don't know if they're real or not, but there are goat heads impaled on stakes in front of the stage. And then there are naked women that are like crucified on crosses, not actually crucified. There's like a stand, they stand on there and they just kind of have a bag over their head and they just are there for the whole show for show purposes. I'm sure they get paid a lot, but it's meant to be visually striking. Lots of red lights, some fire. Immortal actually utilizes a lot of fire, fire breathing, um, strobe lights, just very extreme visually. It, it is a performance, and they're out there to put on a show and to wow you. There's a whole group of people coming out on stage wearing black leather armor with nails, with their faces painted up, and they're going to go out there and sing about at least in a mortal sense, like their fantasy land where Raven Dark is a character and it's like a frozen, <laughs> it's like a frozen wasteland that he lives in or something. Um, 
so it's it's very elaborate visually it's very visually striking it's it's something else there's nothing really like it and then album wise so again i'm going to look back to the documentary until the light takes us which unfortunately my copy was destroyed somehow and i don't know how but it's a great documentary about black metal and it's basically doing what this podcast is doing but in a documentary form it's a lot longer so but there is a part in that documentary where finres oh, hold on my cat's doing something what are you doing All right, sorry. Um, there's a point in there where he's talking about just the visuals of, I believe it was Transylvanian Hunger, one of their albums, where it was just black and white, were the only colors used. There was the logo of the band, and then the cover is, I believe, the singer of the band in corpse paint, kind of like holding a, like a chandelier or something, and just kind of screaming but it was all black and white, just very high contrast. And he was, Fenris was talking about how at that point in time, the album covers of popular death metal bands and popular thrash metal bands were very colorful, painted works of art. And how this would be something that if you were to kind of rifle through a bunch of records, you would look at it and it would just pop. It would just, whoa, holy shit. You'd have to like pick it up and be like, what is this thing? And so it started off that way with a lot of the early black metal records. It was simple, high contrast. A lot of the logos visually have hard to read fonts that kind of look like scratches in some wood or something. Sometimes they get very elaborate, like Wolves in the Throne Room, where you just look at it and you can't read it unless you are actually trying to. You have to look for the letters because it just looks like a mess. It looks like a web almost. Or like someone just took a razor blade in random directions on like some clay or something. It just looks like a bunch of lines, but really there there is the band's name there. But visually it's like, whoa. I'm actually seeing that a lot in um, some of the weird Gen Z style that's starting to pop up where it's like, it looks like it's a black metal shirt that they're wearing, but I know it's not. I'm like, what? So it, it has it has its own aesthetic, but, but the albums themselves had a very just shocking, jarring, different from all the other albums of that time that helped get that genre of music its foothold that it needed to really take off. So there's that visually. Stylistically, what sets black metal apart? Well, I'll tell you. Stylistically, and like I've mentioned, black metal is very simple at its core. Now, I did give the examples of bands evolving from this form but this is the basic form and it's so simple that even i was able to record 
some guitar riffs, put them on Encyclopedia Metalum, I think, back in the day, and get really good feedback and praise for it, honestly. But stylistically, black metal is, it's all about creating atmosphere, guitar-wise. So it's utilizing a lot of tremolo picking. Tremolo picking being just, just moving the pick up and down on either a string or like a chord and creating like a type of just continuous sound, moving the fingers a little bit and creating a, at least in a black metal sense, a, an eerie kind of spooky type sound. It's supposed to sound kind of haunted. So you're using minor chords, minor scales. Sometimes there are some intricate guitar solos in black metal songs, but generally the solos that we get are not very polished and it's supposed to sound not polished. In Until the Light Takes Us, Varg Vikernes is talking about how they had recorded some of their music on like a some kind of piece of junk recording system that, that they bought for like $5 at a flea market or something because they wanted it to sound bad. That's the point. The point is to have what he coined as necro sound. So you're not putting a ton of effort into making it sound good. The drumming is very simplistic, but yet very high energy. So it's, it takes a lot to just do blast beats all day long. Like just doing that constantly throughout a whole song, maybe having a pause for like a spooky sounding guitar area. Vocally, again, it's, it's just shrieking. It's trying to sound like you somehow reanimated a dead person and they're singing for you. It's supposed to sound bad. It's supposed to sound gritty, unpolished, and just dirty almost. Like it, if you listen to some old black metal songs from the early 90s, you can tell that there was no effort put in whatsoever to any kind of sound quality. It just, they pressed record, they recorded their parts and that was it. And that's the song. And so it, it's very simple at its very core. And like I mentioned before, you really don't need a bass guitar. The bass guitar is usually there to kind of act as like a bridge between the drummer and the guitarist to keep everybody in check time signature wise. And there are a lot of black metal bands that have a bassist, but you really don't need it. Um, it's, it's there, it's there for, for reasons when bands utilize them, but again, it's very simple and it's, it's supposed to sound simple. It's supposed to sound kind of bad because of what was going on at the time. There was a lot of thrash metal bands that were getting more and more technical. Death metal was getting more and more technical and prog rock was starting to kind of come out of the woodworks to do all these crazy weird time signature. Oh, look at me. I'm tool. And I'm going to play using the Fibonacci sequence type stuff. And this was a step away from that. And it was not only a step away, but like a total 180 going the other way. So it was 
that was the point. And <laughs> despite that fact, the selling point for it for many black metal fans is the atmospheric quality of it. So you want to create an eerie atmosphere and it does boil down to, I would argue guitar work in terms of musical structure. It's that's going to be what really draws you in. When I saw wolves in the throne room, I, was actually very blown away by not only the fact that I was listening to I Will Lay Down My Bones Among the Rocks and Roots live, but the atmosphere they created. They they utilized their music, but also had like a bunch of fog and smoke. The guy, the singer was burning sage on stage and it was so thick. I, I could only see the drummer probably one time. They had that many fog machines going. But it, the atmosphere of just the guitar work alone, it really carries it. Now, sometimes you have a really good combination of guitar work and vocals. Zash, there is a really good example of this. So he actually is like Burzum, where he does he does all of his stuff by himself. He does drums, vocals, guitar work. He might do some bass work too. Um, I'm not too, too certain on that one, but his vocals on top of his, his guitar work being some of the most bleak stuff I've ever heard in my life. When he sings, he sounds like, like a ghost that wants to die, but like cease to exist, like in pain almost. You can hear the pain in his in his shrieking, and it's like, it's very, it's honestly otherworldly. It's insane to listen to. I listen to Zashler songs every once in a while because I, it's honestly too, it's too much. But it is impressive what he is able to do with his guitar and his voice. So the atmospheric element for black metal is. It's always about creating that atmosphere, about creating an atmosphere of like Bathory, where they kind of transport you back in time to the Viking Age or to a fantasy land where you're fighting dragons or something, making it a little bit more extreme in cases of bands like Mayhem or Demi Borgir. It really does evoke emotions that I would argue you just, you don't get a lot of evocation of them in day-to-day -day life. When we wake up in the morning, generally we just, we go to work and the emotions we feel are we're working then we come home and we're relieved and then we go to bed. And yet black metal is really good at evoking kind of like adventurous emotions, extreme emotions, depressive emotions, and just a lot of different emotions that we're not really used to expressing or to feeling. And it's part of the musical component of it. It's part of the structure of the music itself. And I think that's actually the one thing that if you listen to black metal and you actually thoroughly enjoy it, it's, it's what sets it apart. When I listen to some black metal songs, I, 
I just feel like completely different and not in a bad way. I just, I feel emotions that I've, I don't really ha- know how to explain. Whereas if I listen to like a Megadeth song or like an Iron Maiden song, I feel some pretty cool emotions with those too, but it's not like, it's not like black metal. Black metal just, ha- it just touches your soul in a different way. And, um, I really appreciate it too. It's like, I, I really enjoy the genre for what it's able to, for what it's able to do and continue to do. Which brings me on to the last and final section of this podcast. The future of it. What is the future of black metal, Austin? Well, I will admit this. I, the, la- the latest album I listened to is Northern Chaos Gods by Immortal. And I think prior to that, it was probably Sunbather by Dev Heaven. And that was back in like 2013, 2014. But I will say this, I, I think with how successful bands like Wolves in the Throne Room and Zashler are, it's kind of becoming an American-dominated music scene, despite having started in Norway. Very similar to how there hasn't been a Stanley Cup winner from any Canadian team in the NHL since, like, the Canadians won it 30 years ago or something. It's just an American-dominated sport, and now black metal is becoming an American-dominated music genre. Wolves in the Throne Room, I didn't know they had so many albums after um, Two Hunters, because that's when I saw them, is they had, I believe an album had released after that, but I was looking at their discography, and there's even more. I'm just like, okay, apparently they're still going good. So as for the future of it, I think it's it's probably split and taken two different paths. You're always going to have bands that will stick to the traditional way of doing it, which if I was to start a black metal project, I would do the same thing. I would stick to the old kind of Dark Throne, Burzum-esque type style and just roll with that and just go down that path. But you also have bands like Death Heaven with Sunbather. They took everything about black metal, but instead of using minor scales, they used major scales. So really, like, the change wasn't too like on a technical sense, insane, but it really kind of shook up the whole world. They're like, wow, what the, that sounds like upbeat somehow and yet also dismal. And so you got like kind of these, uh, I, I kind of refer to them as like art students that are doing this avant-garde weird stuff with it. And that's what Sunbather is. And I actually really like Sunbather. I think it's a great album and it's great to shake up the genre every once in a while. And I think it should be done more. Despite the fact that I would play more traditional stuff, I really like Sunbather. And so I guess my disclaimer for this is I, I really haven't gotten into this genre in a, at, a, at such a level where I'm able to adequately say where I think it's going. All I can say is I listened to 
sunbather in like 2014 or 2013 whenever it came out and loved it and because it had pretty good success back then despite being also very divisive it probably prompted other bands to follow suit and at the same time a going back to the principles type thing was also successful northern chaos gods demon as takes the reins for immortal Abad is out. He's no longer part of that band. Yet Demonaz is able to, with that album, keep the heavy hitting sound that they had developed over the years, but kind of track it back a little bit to the traditional and pepper it in there in such a way that it worked super well. And it's my second favorite album by then. My first being At the Heart of Winter, which, if you think about it, is really just like the bridge between Old and New Immortal and Northern Chaos Gods is like the same thing, basically. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, so that's where I think the direction is going. I, again, it's, it's not a very popular genre of music, but it does have its followers and they follow it very loyally very very loyally so it is it's a it's a genre of music that if you were to be pretty like moderately successful with it you could live very comfortably not in the sense of like buying a ferrari or having like a rock star house but like enough people listen to it and continue to listen to it that like you'll be you'll be making money the whole time I used to listen to Immortal. I'm sure those guys are getting money from Spotify just because I'm listening to Immortal at the gym or on the way to work or something. So, yeah, it's like a, their, their fans are extremely loyal. And then I guess the last part of this, I'm going to actually stop here. And there might be another ad. And if there is, I'm sorry, but I have to try and pay for my cat food. So what are you going to do? So, bands that I would recommend listening to are, I'm going to give you either albums or songs. Probably just albums, though. The first one, Immortal. And actually three albums for them. Um, the first one being kind of their old school traditional black metal, Blizzard Beasts. The second one being the start of the sound that they would develop and kind of perfect as the band matured would be at the heart of winter. And then of course, Northern chaos gods, the final, and I think totally final album from that band. Next would be Burzum and two albums for Burzum. Oomps guitar, which is a newer kind of post jail Varg Vikernes really like folksy sounding black metal and then philosophem uh a earlier burzum album that is a little bit more harsh but more but more traditional sounding just because you get you can get like the two different kind of styles that he he's he's been playing around with his whole life and then <clears throat> next i would do dark throne transylvanian hunger 
because that's just a classic. It's so good. Mayhem. What is their their first album? Was like Dom Mysterious De Satanis. Hold on a second. Let me look it up. Um, let's see here. De Mysterious Dom Satanas. And really, like, it's the only one you need to listen to. They, they've lost so many band members that it's really not the same thing anymore. Uh, I actually almost saw them in, in Utah, but, uh, like, that's, it's pretty classic. For American black metal, I'll, I'll do Zashter and Wolves in the Throne Room. Wolves in the Throne Room, the album Two Hunters, specifically the song, I will lay down my bones among the rocks and roots. It's 18 minutes long, but it's really good atmospheric. Zash that are from the album. I believe it is Subliminal Genocide. So from the album Subliminal Genocide, notably the song Prison of Mirrors. So that's some DSBM stuff. I got to say straight, straight up from the get-go that if you don't like kind of harsh sounding music and harsh in the terms of it's not polished and it sounds like a rough cut, you're not going to like any of this stuff. And it's loud and it's extreme and it's fast. Well, except for Zash there and Wolves in the Throne Room. But um, <clears throat> those would be the bands that I would recommend. I know there's some other bands that some listeners of this and some fans of black metal themselves would be like, well, why didn't you put them in here? And to you, I say this, I am aware that there are, that there are many other bands that are just as deserving of having a random guy tell random people to listen to them. Emperor, Satyricon, uh, Silencer. Let's just, you know, like I I know. Demon Borgia, Behemoth. I'm just trying to make a podcast, and this is like this was black metal in a nutshell. So if you really want to do like an even more in-depth thing, then fine. Like just message me on something. I don't know. But uh yeah, so those are my my recommendations. Again, this is a very extreme, harsh-sounding musical genre. It's not for everybody. It's very extreme. But if you like extreme stuff, you might like it. So that being said, I'm going to stop recording this. And even though I've now been sitting in this chair trying to record my Black Metal in a Nutshell podcast for two hours, ugh, I need to take a break from this, people. So... Yeah. Listen to those if you like it, whatever. If you don't, whatever. I don't care. 